the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. Welcome to a new week. In fact, this is a week where I ought to be saying Happy New Year now because we're in the last little bit of 2022. And I pray for you and I hope you've been praying for me that 2023 would be like our best and most Jesus year ever. Uh, this is a time to sort of reflect on how good God is, everything that he's done. And then because a new year is just like a new start, it's ingrained into our culture. What we want to do is we want to make sure, Lord, that the things that we do this year bring honor and glory only to you, just to you, Lord. And we want to be men and women who love you more, who are more like you every day. Lord, that's our prayer. Hey, thank you for tuning in. I hope you had a great Christmas holiday and Christmas services. We did. I was just talking with my producer and we were shocked at how many people came to church, and it was just wonderful, just absolutely fantastic to be around family. Well, by now you know you've tuned in to the Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, whatever's on your heart, just provide the phone call, 210 210- Three four zero ninety five eighty five is our primary number. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll free at eight seven seven six three zero KSLR. That's six three zero five seven five seven. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And as always, if you are driving in your car. The safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now band at the top of the screen, and you will be connected directly to our studio producer. Uh, because it's Tuesday. Now, Monday I usually have a lot to say, but since it's Tuesday, I don't have much, so we'll get right to questions. Uh, our first question is an anonymous question. Let me go to a phone call first. It just popped up, and then I'll come back to this question. We always give priority to the phone calls. Uh, we've got Ruben on line one from Seguin. Ruben, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Pastor. I hope and I pray that you had a very Merry Christmas. We did, Ruben. We did. Thank you. That's that's great. That's great. So we did too. We did too. I, I, I praise God. You know, uh, over the weekend, I was reading, uh, um, I believe it was a book of Romans and I just kept reading, reading it over and over Good and over again. Yeah, just just because you know, I just have to encourage myself, and mm-hmm. you know, because the enemy sometimes wants to tell, wants to come and tell me, "Look, man, you're by yourself. Your family doesn't talk to you, and blah 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 blah." Man, but I had to, just, you know, like, don't shut up, man. <laughs> shut up. You know, Ruben, you know, just, you just I, I just had a thought while you're talking. Um, you're a musician, and uh, you you sing. Um, so you're yeah. probably pretty good at memorization. You ought to try yeah. memorizing Romans chapter eight. 
I, I promise you that would be a oh. blessing beyond anything that you can imagine. So give that a try, and who knows, maybe God will put, give you something to put to music as well. Huh. I will definitely do that. Okay. Thank you for that suggestion. Okay, my question is, uh, over the weekend, I, uh, I uh, came across a friend of mine who uh, I haven't seen in, in quite a long time. Um, he's, he's actually a famous actor. Um, uh, he's from San Antonio. Uh, he's starred in some very, very, uh, uh, you know, top grossing, uh, uh movies. Very cool. Uh, but when I met him, when, yeah, when I met him, he wasn't a Christian. Uh, he, he, anyway, so I saw him and then I met him. I mean, I mean, I saw him and then, uh, he tells me that he gave his life to Christ and I was oh, like, praise wow, really Carlos? I was like, really, Carlos, praise the Lord. And, and, you know, it just, it blessed my heart. It blessed my heart. But then uh, he, he told me, he, here's my latest two movies, and he told me where to go look. And I looked at them, and um, I kind of, I don't know, I, I kind of got like, my spirit kind of like got down mm-hmm. because I had a lot of explicit language, a lot of nudity, and... And I just got to thinking, okay, Lord, help me. Help me here. Um, should I tell him that is not, you know, something that a Christian should be doing if you profess to be a Christian? Now, my question is, what are your thoughts? Mind you, I understand this is his job, so to speak. This is what he has to do for a living. But... As Christians, shouldn't we we shouldn't compromise our integrity as Christians? At least that's what I think. Yeah, and yeah. you know, and, Ruben, you're 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 right in that we shouldn't compromise our integrity um, um, at all. However, and this is I think the thing that's important for us to remember: uh, this guy is at best a new Christian, uh, an immature Christian. And, um, you know, what we've got to do is we've got to give him some grace to allow the Holy Spirit some time to change his heart. I think sometimes we Christians get so caught up in judging other people or or we get frustrated because they're not behaving in a way that we think a Christian ought to behave. But the truth is, Reuben, and I'm going to point my finger right at you and right at me at the same time. The truth is, neither you nor I acted like a good Christian when we first got saved. Amen. Amen. And it and it and it takes some time. So here's what you do. You pray for him and when you're around him, you get the opportunity to talk with him if that uh, opportunity comes up. If he says, "Hey, did you see the movie?" Well, I looked at it, but you know, the language is a little salty for me and 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 maybe the Lord will open a door for you to to speak with him. But one of the things that we need to remember, this is really hard. Now, I'm not giving uh, I'm not compromising at all with regard to the importance of our witness. But um these people um if they come out publicly as Christians, if they really commit to following their faith, they're going to be canceled by the world that they depend on for a living. So these are huge steps of faith that need to be taken by these people. And and the reality is, is as new Christians, usually we don't have huge steps of faith, faith yet. It takes a little bit of time to build that up. So uh, pray for him. If you get the opportunity, um, um, then you can speak with him. But but the one thing that we don't want to do is 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 be so focused on on uh, you got to do this and you got to do this and you can't do this. Instead, um, you just model who Jesus is around him and let the Holy Spirit have his time with him. Reuben, thank you very much for the call. I thank appreciate you. it. Mm-hmm. God bless you. And I'll be praying for your friend, too. I don't know who he is, but I'll be praying for him. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Anonymous. Uh, Pastor Ron, here's a question for your show. Um, I need your advice. I'm married and have two sons, 18 and 20. They have both been influenced by the public school system and affected by the COVID situation. My older son seems to have come through strongly with our family faith, giving him a sound anchor. 
but a younger son is having some emotional challenges. He is more socially impaired and has befriended a collection of gay friends. I don't think he um, leans that direction given his previous social inclinations. Most recently, he's disclosed to his mother that he thinks he needs to speak with a psychiatrist. I suggest we walk through our church, I'm sorry, work through our church and get him needed assistance. My wife rejected that option. When I inquired, she said she wanted me to have more open opinions. That's problematic. That's my words. I'm sorry. That's my editorial. This is the first time that my wife and I have had any conflict in our faith. But when I confronted her on it, she was adamant that she was okay if he expressed a gay lifestyle. She defended her position by reminding me that we have several good friends that are gay. And while that's true, I believed we understood that was conditional and not necessarily acceptable. Apparently, we did not understand this the same way. My wife believes it's okay if my son identifies as homosexual. I absolutely do not. I fear this is going to cause a marriage crisis. I love my wife dearly and never believed we would experience this type of disagreement. Given the severity of the situation, I'm in shock and don't know how to proceed. Um, My my advice would be appreciated. Uh, Anonymous, a couple of things. My heart just breaks for you. These are such difficult things and we have a whole bunch of kids going through this uh, in the world right now at exactly the same time you know one of the the comments that that you said in your email uh, you said he's befriended a collection of gay friends and one of the problems with that of course is we know Paul writes that uh, a bad company corrupts good character and the world that we live in that they're feeding on. Now, I'm going to make a couple of assumptions. Your children are probably both very active on social media. Um, social media is brainwashing them um, to, to agree with the things of this world. Uh, I don't know what the situation is with your wife. I don't know what her interaction on gay or on um, uh, social media is. But I say this all the time to our church. Any man or woman, any Christian who is not really invested in the Word of God, in the Bible, if they're not rightly dividing the Word, if they're not studying the Word, if they're not convinced that the Bible is God's Word, final, 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 it's God's Word, the final authority in our lives, well, then those people, all of them, are eventually going to be won over by the world that we live in. It's that simple. They're going to be won over. They're going to be convinced. Because their faith isn't strong enough. And the minute they start questioning the Bible, the minute they don't have confidence that the Bible is the Word of God, of course they're going to run to a world which embraces them and says, no, this is the loving thing to do. This is the kind thing to do. And of course, as you know, Anonymous, this simply isn't true. Um, I, I can't express emphatically enough how important it is to have the Word of God hidden in your heart because it's the only way we're going to be able to stand against this world. And I keep using the term brainwashed, but that's exactly what's going on. We are convinced, many of us, that if we don't accept what the world says is okay, then there's something wrong with us that we're really not very loving at all. Here's the bigger problem. Um... If your children, whatever they're going through, whatever decisions they make, if your children make ungodly choices and there's no parent or, or, or no, no unity among the parents, as in your case, um, then the minute we compromise, the minute we say, no, this lifestyle is okay, what we've told our children is that the faith that I raised you in, the faith that I have proclaimed since you were a baby, The faith that we relied on and hung to, well, it really doesn't matter at all to us. And we make a mockery of our faith. And that's what the world wants to do. That's what the enemy wants to do. That's what children are trying to find. How sincere, how genuine is my mom and my dad's faith? And this is one of those things where, um, you know, going to a psychiatrist, going to secular counsel, um, a wife that says, no, this is okay. This is when the husband and the wife have to sit down together and have a conversation. 
and and I I'm very blunt in things like this. And we've we've got families in our church who are going through the same thing. We've got a couple of families with trans kids, and their hearts are broken, but they're standing firm, saying we cannot give any form of approval to the choices you're making because these are ungodly choices. And the way I tell them to put it in, in conversation with their children or other family members who, who put pressure on them to accept them the way they are is, is simply this way. I say, look, I care more about my son going to heaven than I do about him being happy here. I care more about my daughter being in heaven than in hell than I do about them being happy here. And this is heaven or hell. That's, that's the stake. That's how high these stakes are. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 19, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, both of them indicate that people who live lifestyles of rebellious sin, and, and homosexuality is mentioned in that list, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that's as straightforward as the Bible can be. There's no way to interpret it or reinterpret or misinterpret. It says what it says. And that's why we've got to be able to sit down your, your boys, I'm sure, know that you love them. But this is a time where you and your wife have got to put on a united front and the decision has to be made. Are we going to stand for Jesus? Are we going to stand with Jesus? Or are we going to stand with the world? Because it feels better. And uh, um, Anonymous, it's... it's uh, uh, I, I can tell how shocked you are that this is her response if if you and your wife are in the Word together, and I mean on a regular, if not daily basis, you'd know that that's what she believed. These are issues that come up all the time. And I'm talking to my church a lot about this because and it's amazing. It's like uh, the, the number of transgender claiming young people especially. Um, is up something like 40,000% over the last five years. Now think about that. The government says something's okay. Social media brainwashes people. Now the medical community is involved. There's a lying spirit that's out there in these last days. And it's taking our children. And the only way to stand against that lying spirit is to stand firm in the truth of Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, and, and this is for everybody in this audience, obviously, when you take that stand for Jesus, there are people who aren't going to like you for it. And it's going to threaten your relationship with your kids. And in the case of a, a wife and a husband who are not in agreement, it's going to threaten that relationship as well. Jesus said that he came and the result would be that families would be divided. And we have to make a decision once and for all about where we stand and with whom we stand. And if we don't do that, then we're simply admitting before the whole world that our faith really didn't matter to us at all. I know I can read your letter. I know that's not the case with you. But this is something that needs to be addressed and it needs to be addressed to conclusion it needs to be addressed immediately. Your children's lives, eternally, are at stake. So I'm sorry you're going through this. I will be praying for you constantly. And uh, it is my deepest prayer that you and your wife can open a Bible together and sit down and say, look, do you not love your son enough to want him in heaven forever? Do you not believe it when it says people that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God? Having befriended a collection of gay friends, to use your words, is a frightening thing because you know the counsel that he's getting, the ungodly counsel he's getting there. So I'll be praying for you. I hope that uh, that uh, helps and gives you some clarity relative to the importance of this. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. 
Uh, here is a question uh, from Hector. I touched on this one on Friday. Didn't have time to really go through it. You know, before I do this, let me say one other thing. Um, parents especially, the battle that this man just wrote in about, this is the battle that we're going to have to fight in this new world that we live in. And the minute we're inconsistent, the minute we start waffling, believe me, the enemy's going to be there and he's going to steal your children. It's that simple. With the kids in our church who have made these horrible decisions and they're getting so much affirmation from the world around them. I'm praying for them right out of Luke chapter 15, the, the, the parable of the prodigal son. It says there that when he came to his own mind, he was in the pigsty. When he came to his own mind, then he was able to see things clearly. Then he realized that even the servants in my father's house have it better than I do. Pray that your children will come to their own minds because their minds right now are being controlled at every turn. I was watching a news conference today with, I think, the Surgeon General of, uh, of our country, uh, 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 a man who is a cabinet member of our president. Um, and he identifies as a woman. And that's the world that we live in. If that's not demonic, I don't know what is. Okay, Hector, here's the question we'll get to you uh, from your question Friday. Uh, why do you say during communion that the bread and cup do not actually become Jesus' body and blood? Uh, Hector, I say that because it doesn't. Um, it's not. You know, I, I understand there's there's transubstantiation and consubstantiation, um, um, and people have different views on this, but, but the Bible has to be our final authority. Jesus, you'll remember, Hector, when he said, this is my body broken for you. Uh, he was in his body still. He was in his body. Jesus was clearly speaking figuratively. And, and I think the way to look at this, Hector, is that he was giving previews of coming attractions. What he was saying is, look, you're going to see me beaten, abused, insulted, spit upon. You're going to see me hung on a cross. That's what I'm telling you now. Be ready for that. This is my body broken for you. But he was in his body. We're to do this, Paul says, in remembrance. These are memorial um, um, festivals for us. These, these sacraments uh, aren't literal. They're memorial. And, and by that I mean we remember what God has done. We remember what he's done. We remember that he's coming. And it's not to be taken literally. There's nothing magic happens that turns that, that cracker that we eat uh, or a piece of bread that we break off and eat into the body of Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is listen to Jesus whenever you take, remember these things. Remember they're memorial and not literal. And Hector, the the, uh, the 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 position that these things literally become the body and the blood of Jesus Christ has its very shaky foundation in church tradition. And that's all. It doesn't come from the word of God. It doesn't come from what Jesus said. And it defies human logic. So there's no miracle that takes place. The miracle is that Jesus himself died for our sins. He took the punishment that we deserved in the process. That's miraculous. But nothing happens miraculous in the blood. I've had somebody say, well, well, that means communion isn't nearly as exciting or as fulfilling. It's more so because we get to remember and it puts our heart and our minds in exactly the right place. So Hector, I say that Almost every time we partake of communion, uh, we live in a city that has a very large 
Catholic population. Probably 90% of the people that come to Calvary Chapel of San Antonio uh, have been raised Catholic or grew up with Catholic backgrounds. They got saved, got born again, and the Bible then becomes alive to them. And what we've got to do is we've got to make the Bible, the Word of God, we've got to make that our final, our only authority. Authority over tradition, authority over emotions, authority over pressure from the world. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And Hector, if you'll do that, then you'll understand that communion is even more special. So I hope that helps. How am I doing on time? Got one minute. Cyril says, um, well, I can't do that in one minute. Okay, let me just do this. Um, quick programming note, you can follow it ahead of time. Next Monday, which is January 2nd, uh, we will not be live on the air because KSLR, the studios will be closed, celebrating the holiday, which falls on a Sunday. And I pray that you are really, really looking forward to a new year, your most Jesus year ever. We've got 30 minutes left in our Tuesday show. We'd love your calls and questions. 340-9585. This is the word to stand up for life. I'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our program, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Two quick things, and then I'll get to Cyril's question. First, this is for you, Paula. I know you're listening. I just got a, a message that Brielle is pushing. This is a young woman that grew up here in the church, and she's having a really hard time with her first pregnancy. And so I know you've been waiting to hear that. So she's pushing now. Keep her in your prayers. The second thing, I made an error in the first half of the program, and I want to correct it. Uh, I said that uh, uh, Rachel Levine... Uh, was was the um, uh, Surgeon General. That's not true. Uh, he is, and I refuse to call him a she, uh, he is uh, an Assistant Secretary for Health, an appointee of, of, uh, of Joe Biden, uh, and the Assistant Secretary of Health. So uh, he's the one that is constantly on air um, wearing a dress. It is absolutely shameful, and yet that's the world that we are, we are falling into. Here's Cyril's question. He says, Pastor, I'm fearful of falling into sin and losing my salvation. What should I do? Cyril, I don't, you don't say how long you've been a believer. Um, you know, I'm going to be teaching on Friday night out of Philippians chapter 2 where Paul tells us to work out our salvation, not work for, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, we've got to walk with Jesus. We've got to walk in the Spirit. And that's all you've got to do, the confidence that you're going to have. Remember, the enemy is lying to you. And right now is where you've got to get into the Word and you've got to believe what it says. What can separate me from the love of God? Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? Also, Romans chapter 8. There is no condemnation for those who, who are in Christ Jesus. Also, Romans chapter 8. If we would just memorize the promises in that one chapter alone, then we wouldn't fall prey easily to these lies of the devil. So, Sarah, here's what you do. I say this a hundred times a week. Maybe that's an exaggeration. Just be with Jesus. In his presence is the fullness of joy. In his presence is the confidence of who you are in Christ. In his presence, you'll be aware that he's the one who holds you in his hands. He's told his disciples and by extension, in principle, he told us that, that he has us in his hands and no one can snatch us out. The Father, who is greater than he is, has us in his hands and no one can snatch us out of the Father's hands. That's pretty secure. So here's what you do. Instead of worrying about sin, focus on being with Jesus. And if you're following him, Cyril, what he's going to do is lead you in the opposite direction 
of sin and temptation. So just enjoy your walk with the Lord. You can't enjoy it if you're so afraid that you're going to mess up. Um, the Bible says that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. It doesn't say that he began it, Cyril, you have to finish it. The Bible also says he is the author and perfecter or finisher of our faith. So your faith doesn't depend on you. Your faith depends on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And when you understand that, Cyril, you walk with Jesus and you're going to be free from all of this. And you need then to recognize that any thought to the contrary is a lie from the enemy of your soul who wants to destroy you. He wants to steal all the fruit that can come from your walk with the Lord. And uh, the only thing that you can do in that particular case is, is uh, just let Jesus handle his lies. Ignore what he's saying. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. There's really practical instruction in your Bibles about this. So instead of being fearful of falling into sin, see how close you can stay with Jesus every day. Get up in the morning thinking about him. Get up in the morning surrendering to him. Get up in the morning saying no to you so you can say yes to him. Walk with him throughout the day. And in those days where we our minds get distracted or we get busy with other stuff, um, just just. Constantly be saying, Holy Spirit, help me to remember that Jesus is here with me now. And when Jesus is hanging around with you, when you're hanging around with him, you're not going to be sinning. That's the reason Jesus, in his model for prayer, included the line, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. And the idea there is that Jesus isn't going to lead you into temptation, but when you're walking with Jesus, you're going in the opposite direction of temptation. And that's where we need to be. That's the safe place for us to be, Cyril. Thank you for the question. Lester, I referred to your passages of Scripture earlier, Lester. Lester says, 1 Corinthians 6 and Galatians 5 says, People who commit continual sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. Are these people who have lost their salvation? No. Um, you know, one of the things that we, we need to understand as we read our Bibles is that obedience is expected the author of the Bible, the Holy Spirit of God assumes that we're going to be obedient. And so what he's doing in 1 Corinthians 6 and in Galatians 5, Lester is that he is identifying, he's not threatening, he's identifying who's a real believer and who's not. Jesus told a parable about the wheat and the tares. And you remember that uh, in the parable they came to him and said, well, well, we planted wheat. Who did this? And Jesus in the parable said, an enemy did this. And they said, well, do you want us to go separate the wheat from the tares? No, leave those for the harvesting angels at the end of the age. And the reason he said that is because wheat and tares look exactly alike. And if we go trying to pull up tares, we're getting some real believers in the process. So that's the job for the Lord himself. But, but he's simply identifying people who commit continual sin. There's all kinds of sin listed there. But people who live in willful rebellion against God are not Christians. So they're not people who lost their salvation in spite, Lester, of what they say. There's a lot of people who, can, who, who confess to being Christians who really never obeyed the Lord. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and do not do what I tell you to do? He said, on that day, I'll tell you, depart from me, for I never knew you. And remember, that's the issue in heaven. Are we known? Are our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life? You know, we answer an altar call. We go to church. Um, maybe we even get a little excited about serving the Lord for a while. But, but then it just sort of fades away. And we've all known people like that. They're very emotional uh, conversion experiences and, and they get excited and cry and they'll do some good things but they just don't last very long. Jesus' parable of the sower said the worries and the cares of this world choke out this growth of the seed making it unfruitful. And, and in 1 Corinthians 6 and Galatians 5 that's why these passages are so helpful, Lester. Um, they identify who's a Christian who's not. Um, uh, I actually spoke on this past Sunday about the gifts of the Spirit. 
uh, and I, I put it in the context of God's gift to us upon salvation. And I'm going to go right back there for my New Year's message, the same um, um, list of, of gifts and, and how those gifts, using them, being obedient, will change our lives and draw us closer to the Lord for a new year. Um, you know, if you're, if you're really born again, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, then you're not going to be able to be disobedient willfully. Now, we all mess up once in a while. But when we do, we hate it. But the man or the woman, and we were talking earlier about a homosexual lifestyle, the, the man or the woman who's given themselves over to a homosexual lifestyle and feels nothing is wrong with it, that person, by definition, cannot be a Christian because to be a Christian, the Holy Spirit has to live in you. And, of course, that would require a pursuit of holiness. So it's very important. These people haven't lost their salvation. You can't lose what you didn't earn. Only God is the author of our salvation. God is the one who guaranteed our inheritance. So what we've got in 1 Corinthians 6 and in Galatians 5 is an easy way for us to identify ourselves. You know, the Apostle Paul writes uh, that we're to examine ourselves daily to see whether we're in the faith. Um, one of the surest ways that we can examine ourselves is to look at the list of the fruit love joy peace patience kindness gentleness goodness faithfulness and self-control if that describes your walk with the lord if that describes your day-to-day -day life then that's because you're a born-again christian but you can also go to first corinthians 6 and galatians 5 beginning in verse 19 and if that list of bad behavior describes your your life or your walk with the lord then you're the counterfeiter and you won't inherit the kingdom of God. So Lester, I hope that makes sense to you, but uh, it's just impossible. John says, if you say you love God, but continue to sin, you're a liar and the truth isn't in you. Now that's pretty blunt. And that comes directly from the apostle of love, John the beloved himself. Here is a question anonymously. It's... Um, Oh, wow, this is an interesting question. I recently got saved and have been in a polyamorous relationship. I love both women and would like to stay with them both. Is that okay now that I'm saved? Now, Anonymous, if you just got saved, I'm pretty sure that you knew the answer to this question when you send it in. A polyamorous relationship, by definition, is, I think, three people in a relationship um, um, sort of married to each other, even though the, the marriage isn't legal. That's one thing that's not yet legal in our, our, our crazy world. Um, but uh, if you've been saved, now is the time to repent of your past sin. You know, Paul will say um, in the book of Acts, um, when he's on Mars Hill, God now requires that men everywhere repent of their sins. So um, you've got two women. You're obviously the male in this relationship. Uh, God requires your repentance. And it means now that you have got to purify your relationships, get rid of anybody and everybody you're not married legally to, and understand that now you're married to Jesus. Uh, if there is a woman in this relationship that you're legally married to, then the other woman has to go. And now it's your responsibility to show your wife, if that's the case, uh, what a godly man is really all about. So, you know, you can't have both women and Jesus. It's just that simple. You've got to decide once and for all who's in charge of your life. And if you're really saved, that answer should be really easy for you. Although I understand Leaving relationships, leaving people you care about is painful. But but obviously, a real Christian knows that Jesus is in charge. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Here is another anonymous question. What does it mean when a Christian says, I'm just following my heart? Doesn't Jeremiah say that our hearts are evil? 
Um, Anonymous, let me take this in two two parts here. Um, I shudder when I hear a Christian say I'm following my heart. I mean, I shudder. Uh, the only time I can follow my heart is when I'm walking with Jesus. Period. I can walk in the Spirit and I can follow my heart and I can say to others, follow me as I follow Christ. And by the way, every single Christian ought to be able to say that to the people in their lives. Just I don't have to, to preach to you, but you just watch me. You follow me and watch who I really am. And then you can follow my example in your own life. So when a Christian usually says, I'm following my heart, I get this normally in Counseling Anonymous when somebody will say, but but uh, I love this person now. I know I'm not married to him, but I love this person now, and I don't love my wife or I don't love my husband anymore. That's not following your heart. That's following the heart of the devil. So when a Christian says, I'm following my heart, that's usually not a good thing. Now, uh, when Jeremiah says that our hearts are, are wicked, desperately so, uh, beyond all wickedness, um, we, have to, we have to understand the context of that. Jeremiah wasn't a man who had the Holy Spirit of God living in him as you and I do. So that's true of who we used to be. It's also true, Anonymous, of those of us who are walking in the flesh. I can't tell you how many people over my 27 and a half years here have said to me in, in, in defending sin, I mean outright willful sin, I've had them look at me and say, well, uh, I'm just following my heart and God knows my heart and I've never been happier. And so this is okay with God. That's the evil heart in us that rationalizes that kind of sin. So the only time you can say to somebody, I'm following my, I'm following my heart, they ought to be able to see a whole lot of fruit of the Spirit. But if there's no fruit of the Spirit, then um, what they're following is a lie from the enemy. It's real simple. Obedience or no? Here's a question from Mark in Austin. I uh, saw that Amy Grant is attending a gay wedding and said that it was okay and God still loves them. How is it possible for believers to be okay with this? Mark had a question about this uh, on Friday's show as well. Um, um, a couple of things. Uh, it's not our job to judge Amy Grant. It's not our job to um, decide whether she's really saved or not. Galatians 6 says that God knows those who are his, that God will not be mocked. And I think sometimes, Mark, when we see something like this, uh, we immediately want to jump to the conclusion this person is or is not saved. Um, let, let me say this. Um, this isn't a gay wedding she's attending. This is a wedding that she's putting on on her property. It is for a niece of hers, um, and it's something Christians should not do. Um, if Amy Grant is a real Christian, and there's no reason to believe that she isn't, if Amy Grant is a real Christian, um, the Holy Spirit lives in her. And she doesn't need you or me or the case in public is Franklin Graham um, condemning her. Uh, we can say the behavior's wrong. We simply should not participate, let alone host, we should not participate in a same-sex wedding because it's it's mocking God. It's that simple. But the reality, Mark, is that we have a whole bunch of people who mock God every day with their lives. The man who won't love his wife the way Christ loved the church. The question that I had on Friday was, uh, she, she got divorced, she had an affair. She had an affair. Well, what a lot of people don't know is that her marriage was an abusive marriage and, and her husband was an addict. Um, who knows? Maybe she took it as long as she could and couldn't take it anymore. Now, I'm not condoning her relationship with Vince Gill. I'm just saying that what we ought to be doing is focusing equally on the sins of her ex-husband because God hates that too. That's a mockery of God. And this is just one of those things where I, I just don't know why we have to have an opinion about Amy Grant. And you, everybody who listens to this program knows I don't back off from things. I'm not justifying going to a gay wedding or holding a gay wedding or giving any sort of affirmation that it might be okay. 
for gay wedding. It's true that God loves those who are gay and he wants them to win. Uh, and, and it's also true that Amy Grant is going about it the wrong way. But uh, who am I to judge another servant? Uh, if, if Amy went to my church, then I would be in a position where I could talk to her about it, but she doesn't. And I think this is just one of those things where if we're really Christians, and Mark, I know you, you've called before. This is in from Austin. Um, you ought to be praying for her. That's what we ought to be doing, praying for her. That's our responsibility. God, open her eyes, open her heart. Help her stand with you and for you. And I'm going to say one other thing, and this also is not condoning what she's doing. But we need to understand that if you are in the celebrity world, Christian music, Hollywood actors, actresses, producers, directors, you simply cannot survive in that world by taking a firm stand for Jesus Christ. A lot of these people just aren't close enough to Jesus to take a stand for him. Does that cost them their salvation? I'm going to have to wait till I get to heaven to find out about that. Were they really saved ever? I don't know. But this is something, Mark, that we're going to deal with a whole bunch in the days to come. This is a world that I believe is being judged by God. We are a country that I believe is being judged by God. I think the protective hand of God's blessing has been removed from us. And all you have to do is look around at the world that we live in and see the obvious things that are now considered okay. And this is every bit as bad as what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. This is every bit as bad as what Israel was judged for, both northern and southern kingdoms. And I think the United States is being judged. Here's an anonymous question that was just called in the studio. What's the right way to approach someone who's having a baby out of wedlock? Should I attend the baby shower? Um, anonymous, this is, this is another thing. We've had this uh, very same thing in our church many times. Uh, um, the answer to the question would, would be uh, dependent upon whether or not the person who is pregnant is repentant or not. You know, a baby is a blessing. It doesn't mean God wanted this baby to be born um, out of wedlock to, to, to a, an unmarried person. Um, but, but if somebody is repentant, then the answer is yes, that you ought to go. And you ought to celebrate the fact that it was repentance and new life is coming in. And by the way, an unwed mom is going to have a tough time and, and, and she needs friends. She needs people from the church that will be there for her. And it's not like, well, you had a baby out of wedlock, so we're going to punish you. Or we're going to avoid you. Just the opposite is true. On the other hand, and I've seen this happen right here in our church, well, I'm pregnant. I want everybody to be happy for me. Well, are you sorry for what you did? One of the greatest lessons I have ever had in my 27 and a half years here was from one of the godliest young women in our church um, ever. I mean, this, this still um, um, had a boyfriend. Um, she messed up. They messed up one time. She got pregnant. And I've never seen anyone more repentant or who handled it in a more godly way. I actually had somebody when she said, well, I, I, I sinned, I repented, I'm so sorry for letting you down. Not to me, but to, to other people in the church. And, and one of the ladies said, oh, stop that. The, this baby will be a blessing from the God or from the Lord. And, and she said, no, no, no. This is sin, pure and simple. And I got caught. And now I've repented to the Lord. And, and she's, without missing a beat, she's followed the Lord. She made a mistake. She sinned. Well, if you confess your sins, he is faithful to forgive you and purify you from all unrighteousness. Those are the wonderful promises. So it's not one of those things where you have to make her feel guilty. Um, be there for her. If she's not repentant, then explain to her why you can't go to her baby shower. Tell her you want to be there for and you'll be praying for, but 
Sin requires repentance. Good question. Thank you, Anonymous. Got time maybe for one more question today. This one is from Yolanda. Do we confess Jesus as Lord before or after we're born again? Um, Yolanda, that's sort of the process of being born again. Um, when the Holy Spirit comes alongside of you and and convicts you of sin, uh, Paul, Jesus said that when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. And um, when he convicts you of sin and, and here's the way to get righteous, come to Jesus, um, that's the Holy Spirit drawing you to the Lord. Jesus said, no one can come to me except the, the, the except he's drawn by the Father. The Father is, is drawing people by the, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So um, it is a process. Uh, but at some point when you say, Jesus, I believe, that's when you're really born again. And the drawing of the Holy Spirit to get you to that point is what's the theological term is prevenient grace. And it simply means that the Spirit of God is drawing you to Jesus, making you aware of sin, and making you aware of either the path to righteousness or the path to eternal judgment. And our response to that then is to say, Jesus, I need you. So it's just a process that happens. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. We've got uh, a week where I hope a lot of people are off, got time to call. May the Lord bless you and keep you. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.